Well, please turn, if you would, in your copy of God's Holy Word to Luke's Gospel, Luke's Gospel, the eighth chapter. I was talking to the session this morning, and it has been over a month since we've been in Luke, but a lot of that has been the Lord's activity among us with special services for membership, baptism, communion, our Psalm of the Month series, Uh, but it's always like uh, returning to an old friend when we come back to Luke. Now, as we return here, we're going to consider verses 16 down to 21 this morning, but I'm going to return us back at first to read from verse 4 so that we may remember the context, which is the parable of the soils or the parable of the sower, as the word of God is meant to be sown in good soil, in the good, honest heart to produce fruitfulness. Well, with that then, let us go to Luke 8 and verse 4. Please give your attention now to the reading of God's holy word. These are the very words of God. Let us hear them as such. And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it, and some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing they might not understand. Now the parable is this, The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear, then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation fall away. And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection." But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it and bring forth fruit with patience. And now our sermon text. No man, when he hath lighted a candle, covereth it with a vessel, or putteth it under a bed, but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid, that shall not be known and come abroad. Take heed, therefore, how you hear, for whosoever hath, to him shall be given, and whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken away, even that which he seemeth to have. Then came to him his mother and his brethren, and could not come at him for the press. And it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to see thee. And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. Amen. May God bless the reading of his word. Let's pray. Oh, our Father and our God, we come now to the preached word. We have heard the word of God. And so, Father, we pray that we would hear it as Jesus intends. And now as we come to the preaching of the word, that you would help your minister who now preaches, that he would preach faithfully, And that the Spirit would work in such a mighty way that they would hear the voice of the Good Shepherd through the preacher. 
Help the preacher diminish that Jesus may increase and help your people now have the spirit of God that would receive these words, not as it is uh, 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 often seen as the words of mere men, but as it is in truth as the very word of God. And so, Father, we pray that you would now let my speech and my preaching be not with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that the faith of the congregation should not stand in the wisdom of men, but rather in the power of God. And we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, in God's providence, this past Thursday was the 486th remembrance of William Tyndale's martyrdom. You remember that he was martyred by Rome for, among other Protestant beliefs, for translating the Bible into English, strangled and burned at the stake for defying, as he said, the Pope and all his laws. What did he cry out to God before he was strangled, boys and girls? Do you remember? What did he say? He said, Lord, open the king of England's eyes. And seated at God's right hand, the king of kings, Jesus Christ, answered his prayer. He honored the plea of a man who held fast to his word and wanted to honor his word. And four years later, King Henry VIII ordered the Bible printed in the English language the first authorized version known as the Great Bible. Tyndale's desire that the plowboy would know more scripture than the priest would come to pass, pass praise God. You know, he had asked according to, as, as we read in John, right, according, first John, according to the will of God, and he received. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. And here's a man at death who prays for the will of God. Well, we struggle at times, I think, to believe what men like Tyndale believed. Men and women have long believed that this word was worth dying for. That this is the communication of the Almighty to us. And in it, as we have heard at the very beginning of Luke's gospel, are glad tidings of great joy to sinful men and women. Joy found in a Savior, Jesus Christ, who has come to take the sin of the world. In it is the voice of our beloved, the voice of the Good Shepherd. This makes this word the most important and valuable treasure that is found on all the earth. Men have died committed to that truth so that we may have it read and read and preached this morning. It is a word from heaven. It is a word from God. With that in view, Jesus Christ tells us in our text, take heed how you hear his word, to receive it carefully as it is in truth the very word of God, to hang on its every word, to esteem it, to love it, to adore it, to do it, and be transformed by it. And those who would treat his word in this way, you read in this text, are greatly adored by the Savior. Isn't that a marvel? He says, you will be counted as his nearest and dearest kin, as his brethren, if you will hear the word and do the word of God. And so with that introduction, Christ's words in our text form our theme. Take heed how you hear. We'll consider it under three headings on your bulletin. First is hearing the word. Second is doing the word. And third is shining the light of the word in our lives. First, hearing the word. Nestled inside verse 18 are these critical words, take heed, therefore, 
how ye hear. The reason I read the parable of the soils is because the therefore connects us back to the parable, doesn't it? You remember that when the word of God is sown, in some, as we have just heard it read, the devil takes it out of their heart in their inattentiveness. Others initially receive the word with great joy. Temptations come, trials come, and the word finds no root in their heart. While some have the word of God choked out by the cares, riches, and pleasures of this life. Only in some that here does the word drive itself into good soil and is fruitful. The heart in verse 15 that is called honest and good. What does the Lord say in that verse? This heart hears the word, it keeps the word, and brings forth the fruit of the word with patience. All right? That's what we heard last time in Luke. Now it's this paradigm here, the hearing the keeping, and the bringing forth the fruit of the word, that our text today is a further uh, um, exposition of, so to speak. And it is something that our text hammers to us. Hearing, keeping, and bringing forth fruit is, is a chain, if you think about it. That's how this text is laid out. And you have to think about it this way. Every link in that chain must be honored in order to draw forth the blessing of the word of God in our life. Hearing, keeping, and bringing forth fruit. For instance, without hearing the word, you cannot keep the word. Right? These are basic things. And if you will not keep the word, that is, do it, you will not be fruitful in your life. So every component, right? Sometimes we stop at the hearing. I will hear the word, I will read the word. But every link in this chain is necessary to draw fruit in our lives, which is ultimately, right, what we are after, isn't it, friends? Not just to file away information on the word. What's the point of that, ultimately? What's the point of that? That's how the devil knows the word of God. He has information on the word. How many of our churches have the faith of demons? At least the devil has the sense to know the word and tremble at it. And I wonder how many of us have that sense if we are not going to keep it. And so if the devil will not snatch the word away, as we read in the parable, he will also be content for the word to stay in your notes after the sermon. He's just as content with that, without it renewing your mind, transforming your heart, and affecting your walk. Good enough. In fact, he's probably quite happy and gleeful, because light that is not embraced only adds to your condemnation if you're not in Christ. And if you are in Christ, it only adds to the Lord's chastening for not doing his word. So, in this chain of fruitfulness, then, to be fruitful, our Lord says, begins with hearing the word. We must understand it's not just hearing the sound of the minister's voice when the word is read or preached, or when you read it aloud in your own home. Jesus begins with how to hear the word. Take heed, therefore, how you hear. You are to take heed, to be mindful of how you hear. He means listen intently. The root of the word heed in the Greek language here in this text means to look. It actually means to look intently. So it's a bit of a play on words our Lord uses here, right? To look into the word of God which you are hearing, tying hearing to seeing. In other words, the Lord does not merely want the sound of the word to come over us but for us to be intently listening to it, to be almost, as it were, peering into the Word of God. You know, with shortening attention spans, 
And media now especially grabbing our attention straight away. Even in the Internet age, um, Microsoft did some research recently to chart over the year from the year 2000 to where we are now, where the Internet age has even gone from long-form media like YouTube videos, right, to short-form videos now, uh, which are seconds long at best, like TikTok and stuff. Marketers say you have about eight seconds, eight seconds now to grab someone's attention. And after that, they are done. But that's not how we come to the word of God, friends. Right? God speaks and we listen intently. That's where we begin. This word is the Almighty's speech to us. And the preached word, insofar as it radiates the truth of the word, is received as the word of God. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when ye received the word of God which ye heard of us, You received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which effectually worketh also in you that believe. 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 13. If you believe the word, and if you hear the word, as it is God's speech, as Jesus shows in our text, as well as in 1 Thessalonians 2, 1 Thessalonians 2 says it will effectually work in you, and it will bear fruit in your lives. But it starts with how we receive the word of God. The Lord pays attention to how you will receive his word. Even now, it is atheistic to the uttermost to think that when God speaks through his word, he is not peering into your own heart. Friends, even this moment, he comes to bless you who are intently listening. He takes note of you. He communicates blessings to you. Listen to what the word itself says. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. Isaiah 66, verse 2. On this man he looks. On this man or woman will he bless. And our need to heed the word of God is throughout the scripture. Your faith is word-centered. Hebrews 2.1, therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed, the same language, to the things which we have heard lest at any time we should let them slip. This is going to come back to at the end of this text where he says that the things which you seem to have out of the word, if you don't keep them, he will remove from you. And that's what Hebrews 2 is saying here, lest we should let them slip. Now, have you ever gone home after church services and someone asks, what did you hear today at church? And you stammer. If so, can you say you have taken earnest heed of what you have heard? Sadly, we often let the word of God slip from us because we haven't grabbed hold of it with both hands spiritually. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 15.2, Keep in memory what I preached unto you. You see that? That is how we are to treat the word of God. We must be challenged by our Lord to listen to his word in the manner the word itself calls for. This uh, past week, um, as we have been making preparations for pulpit supply, I emailed a preacher who will come to preach for us in a couple of weeks and sent the order of service and everything. And I said, this is a very easy congregation to preach to. You're very attentive to the word of God. And you love the word. And this is one of the joys of the ministry here. But I know that some of you can still drift away. You can slumber in services. I know what that's like. I'm not that many years removed from the pew, so to speak. 
But one day, I'll just say in my own experience, the Lord opened my eyes to how poorly I was attending to the word of God. These are his words he opened my eyes to see. These are my words. And how can you slumber away while I speak to you? No matter how engaging or not the preacher is to your flesh or my flesh, I resolved I must attend upon it. I must exercise my whole soul to listen intently as though God is speaking because he is. And the more you you have this kind of sentiment, these might be the very last words of God I will hear in my life. If we would attend to the word of God, if, if for instance, you knew that after the service, this is the time the Lord is going to call you home, how would you listen to the last words from God that you would ever hear this side of heaven? I think you would be quite intent. And the Lord will inquire of me and you too. How did you hear what I had to say to you? Did you think so poorly on me as not to attend to me when I spoke to you? This is the kind of thing the Lord might ask of us. And this is where we have to also remember that as our faith is word-centered, the Christian never attends services as mere ritual. Consider the warning Solomon offers in Ecclesiastes 5.1. Keep thy foot when thou goest to the house of God and be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools, for they consider not that they do evil. You come to the house of God to hear God speak and to be ready for it. Uh, To sleep in the pew during the service, what is that earning for you from the Almighty but contempt? I'm not speaking to those of you who might have a medical issue or young children who need to sleep, but I'm saying for those of us who are able-bodied, How can we sleep when the Almighty is speaking? It's a terrible thing. That's contempt. Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. So how can we better hear the word of God? This could be a sermon just on that, but I'll try to be brief on some prescriptions out of his word itself. First, the Bible says, as Solomon says, we must listen with readiness of mind. Consider the Bereans in Acts 17.11. These were no more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all, here's that phrase, readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. Even when the apostles are, are preaching and teaching, they come to the word of God, right? The, the, those in uh, Thessalon, um, uh, the Bereans are coming with readiness of mind to search out whether the things that the, the preacher is preaching are so, and they are searching the scriptures. You're to come with minds eager and ready to hear the word and engage with it. This is part of our spiritual preparation as we prepare for the Lord's day, to be ready to peer into the wonders of the word of God and to see if these things are so. Second, we come with faith. Faith that this is the very word of God. That takes faith, friends. To see this as not just the words of, and maybe on your Bible like it's on mine, it says St. Luke. But it's not Luke, it's God's word. It's God's word, and Luke is the instrument here. We come with faith that this is the very word of God. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them. Why? Not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. Hebrews 4.2 You believe that every word that proceeds out of the Bible proceeds from the mouth of God by faith. And what good is it to hear the word? unless you have faith that it is the very truth of God. 
Jesus said in his high priestly prayer, Thy word is truth. We must believe that by faith, that whatever this Bible says is truth. Whatever it says is truth. We are to yield obedience to its commands. We are to tremble at its threatenings. We are to embrace the promises of God for this life and that which is to come. We are to primarily accept, receive, and rest upon Jesus Christ alone. What well, is the, the question, John eleven twenty six? Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. This is the word of God. He asks, believest thou this? Do you believe it? It's not enough to know it. You must believe it. Mix the word with faith. Have you mixed that word, that precious word with faith, friend? Believest thou that whosoever liveth and believeth in Jesus Christ shall never die? What will all the church services in the world profit you if you don't believe that one word from God? Nothing. I hope none of you have slumbered that word away, friends. What a terrible thing that would be. Third, come with love for the word as it is God's truth. Christians are called to love truth and hate the lie, even when the lie is convenient for our flesh, especially so. Second Thessalonians 2.10, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Remember, your flesh does not love God's truth at all. Instead, Romans 1.25 says of the unbeliever who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Our flesh, your flesh, your indwelling sin hates the truth of God. First and foremost, that he is holy and righteous and hates our sinfulness. What is the sad truth of why so many refuse the free offer of the gospel? Why do so many refuse to simply come to Christ for mercy and full forgiveness? Because they love unrighteousness. They love darkness over light. Even though there is a Savior who says, Come unto me, and I will give you rest. And I will forgive you of all your sin. They say, I have to give up my sin. Like Levi walked away from the toll booth? No. They love the lie and not the truth. And they love unrighteousness. And hate holiness. You must understand as well, even converted, your ears are naturally itching to hear what you want to hear. That's how men fill stadiums today. Instead of coming to desire to hear the truth, wherever it leads them, wherever this word leads them, right? Even when the truth stings, the Christian says, even if it stings, Lord, even if it humbles me greatly, Lord, help me love the truth over the lie. Because Christ says, and this is where the Christian really hangs their hat, so to speak. Christ said, he is the truth. And I love Christ. And so I must love the truth of my gracious Savior. Fourth, you have to come with meekness. James 1.21 says, receive with meekness the ingrafted word, which is able to save your souls. You come to the word of God remembering this. He is God. You are not. And you come meekly to the word of God. You come to hear the word and to be teachable. You know, the Lord has something for you every time the word is opened. He really does. Every time you attend to preaching, even if you have heard this very text before, you have to receive it each time afresh. In God's providence, this is the word he has for you today. 
And it doesn't even matter how much Christian experience you are, what office you hold. It doesn't even matter how young the minister might be who preaches the word to you. His gifts may be meager, but you come with a teachable heart and mind. I was thinking about this just from personal experience, that this is a struggle for elders. And maybe some of the elders here might um, appreciate this when we evaluate preaching in presbytery exams. Right? There's this duality, this struggle where we are to evaluate the man's preaching, but at the same time have to be meek enough to receive it as the word of God to us. And that can be a struggle. Um, all of us, though, no matter how much experience we have, are to come with Cornelius's disposition before the word of God. We all here present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Acts 10.33. That's what we come to do. We want to come to hear all things that God has to say to us because it is God who speaks. Fifth, prepare with prayer before you attend to the word. Psalm 119, 18, a wonderful prayer that I often pray. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. As hearing the word is a spiritual work, it requires grace from God. You must pray. We pray, as Paul did, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, Ephesians 1.18. You need to bathe your souls in prayer before you attend to the word of God. Pray, right, as Solomon said, pray that I would be more ready to hear than to give the sacrifice of fools. Pray that you would come to hear the word of God as it is God's word. This is why we often bathe even the preaching of the word. The minister often bathes the preaching of the word with prayer. Open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. You need to ask the Lord for that heart too. You know, there can be, we often talk about this. Sometimes those of us who are converted later in life, we remember the day when the Lord first opened our eyes to the wonders of his law and his word. And we remember how marvelous it was. Let me read through this word quickly. Let me see. Hang on every word. And then at some point, as they say, familiarity breeds contempt. Just as it does in our closest relationships. And we say, well, okay, well, I've already read Luke. I've already gone through John and so on. And it just becomes rote to us. But we need to receive it as a wonderful word from God. And the Spirit will open our hearts to receive it. That's such It requires, a heavenly word requires a heavenly mind to profit from it and pray for it. It will not come naturally. Before all my private readings, even at home, I pray. I often pray as Eli taught little Samuel, Speak, Lord, for what? Thy servant heareth. Isn't that a wonderful thing? That posture of meekness before God. I am the servant and I will hear what God has to say. That is the posture of coming to the word of God. And sixth, you are to hide this word in your heart. It's not just to kind of go in one ear and out the other. Psalm 119.11, thy word have I hid in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against thee. The need of the day for us, friends, if we are not to sin to our God, is to hide the word in the heart and not just leave it on the printed text of our Bibles. How are you going to flee temptation if you don't remember what the Lord has to say to you? If you don't have the wisdom that comes out of the Proverbs, if you don't know that Jesus Christ stands at the right hand of God to receive all those who have faith in him, 
You need to hide the word of God in your heart, friends. That's where it really needs to be. You know, does the Lord really smile upon the man who has 30 copies of the Bible and all kinds of different kinds of animal skins? Or does he smile on the the man who has his meager, tattered Bible, but he says, even if I can't read the words on the page, I have them in my heart. That's the man that he smiles on. You know, let me do this as well. Let me speak not just of hearing then, but of valuing. Because to hear or write begins with how you value this word. It really does. Job said what? I have esteemed the words of his mouth more, is this the, do you know what comes next? More than my necessary food. Is that where you put the word of God in your life? Job 23, 12. Food from heaven more necessary to make it to the promised land than it will be my daily bread. Does a famine then of food frighten you? Or are you really gripped with the kind of fear that Amos prophesied of? Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of uh, for water, but of what? Hearing the words of the Lord. Hearing the words of the Lord. Amos 8.11 This is the greatest famine of all for Christ's people, his children. A famine of hearing the words of the Lord. That's why Jesus says, take heed therefore how you will hear. What a thing it would be. We take for granted, right, that I was speaking to some brothers earlier. What a thing it would be if our week did not have this Lord's Day. How an awful thing it would be to pilgrim in this world and not hear the word of God. That's why men were martyred for this word from heaven to reverse the famine of the word that the papacy brought on the earth. Jesus made men willing to lay down their life so that his sheep could hear his word. For what purpose? To slumber when it is read and preached? No. So I'll beg you and I will plead you on God's behalf. Value this word as the faithful martyrs did. You do that, friends, and the, the, the hearing will take care of itself. It really will. It'll take care of itself. Well, we must not just take heed to the word. We must act on what the Lord says to us, which is our second heading, doing the word. In verses 19 through 21, the Holy Spirit moves Luke to insert a narrative here. In this text, uh, we've often in, in the eighth chapters so far marveled at Luke's brilliance in how he weaves the gospel together, and the Holy Spirit uses the talents of this man. Uh, This narrative, right, it shows us now how Christ would have us handle his word. After the parable of the soils, now this narrative comes to show us how Christ would have us handle his word. It begins with hearing, but it goes beyond hearing to doing. Verses 19 through 21. Then came to him his mother and his brethren, and could not come at him for the press, the crowd. And it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to see thee. And he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. If Jesus first said, Take heed therefore how ye hear, Jesus now says, Hear the word of God and do it. Do it. It's really this simple, right? Do we really hear the word of God as the word of God if we will not do it? If we will not do it? 
Jesus has already preached, you remember this in chapter 6, to his disciples about this besetting problem that we, his disciples, have. Two chapters ago in the Sermon on the Plain, Luke 6, 46, Jesus decried, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? In other words, ours is this lamentable habit of hearing God's word, but not doing it. The fruit of hearing it with faith and love, as the very words of our Lord and Savior would be to what? Perform whatever his word has to say to us. At that time, the text says that Christ's brethren were there wanting to see him. Someone said, thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to see thee. At this time, you know that several of his brothers were not yet converted, right? John 7, 5, for neither did his brethren believe in him. Right? And so here is this wonderful illustration before the people of God as an example of the very doctrine of our Lord. His brothers had often heard his word, but they didn't at this time receive it with faith and love as God's word. At this time, their hearing was the hearing of unbelief. They're a living illustration of the parable of the soils. He could point to his own brothers and say, Take heed, therefore, how ye hear. I suppose... Preachers have used their families as illustrations from the time of our Lord, at the very least, as here is a living example. Aside, he says, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. A great many claim to love Christ. A great many claim to love his word. But do they do it? That is the key, beloved. That is the key, the Savior says. This is the gate to bearing fruit. When the word of God comes and says, for instance, be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you, Ephesians 4.32. Do you just sort of nod, file it away in your notes, or do you do what the word of God calls you to do? Or else, I mean, you, you just think about how ridiculous it is, right? Can you say you actually received that as the very words of God if you won't do it? What kind of God do you serve, friends, if his word becomes mere information, but you have no motivation to do what he commands? That is idolatry. That is idolatry. That is a golden calf that can do nothing to motivate you or command you to do anything. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? How often does the Lord say something like that? In Malachi, we saw that uh, we don't honor him as father. We call him father and Lord, but we don't give him the honor that, that those words are due. If you need no motivation today to keep the word, then consider how the king of glory has affection for you who do his word. He says to you, I consider you my brethren. My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. Now, that ought to make the child of God who loves their Lord long to keep the word of God, to see that affection that the Lord has, to have such a close relationship, a kinship to Jesus Christ. Now, that is motivation to do the word of God, not to slavishly in fear obey the Lord as the unbeliever does, but out of love, knowing that your bond with the Lord Jesus Christ is enriched. You walk closer to him, 
and he becomes more lovely. He draws you into a closer relationship with him as you do the word of God as his near and dear brethren. This is a great motivation he gives. Do you value it? I don't know if you do. Value it, friends. What a wonderful thing, as you know how the rest of uh, church history goes at this early time. You know James, right? His half-brother was there that day, listening, but not yet believing. But what happens when James is converted later on? You know, one thing about James's epistle that is, you think here of the unbelief at one point, so much of James is actually um, reciting so much of what Jesus said. And you think of this, that the Lord brought all of his word back to James in his conversion. And as an apostle, he wrote, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Where did he get that from? But his half-brother. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, see that? A forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. There's the blessing, friends. Again, James once hearing Jesus in unbelief, but after believing, he relays Christ's words, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Every time the Bible talks about self-deception, best take note, it's telling you what you and I are prone to do. You can be deceived. You can say, I'm a good Christian, right? But you don't actually do anything that the word calls you to. Self-deception, it's a great evil in our fallen nature. That's why the Bible tells us to constantly examine ourselves. Are we doers of the word? Are we hearers only? It is best to ask the question and discover the answer now before you go to the throne of God and hear, I never knew you. Depart from me what? You worker of iniquity. Worker of iniquity. What is that but not doing what the word of God has to say to you? You know, beloved, the best of us are inconsistent in our walk with the Lord. We're all in need of constant repentance and the mercies of the Lord freely given. But there has to be something of doing the word of God out of faith. When the word says, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, Luke 6.27, do you just nod and say, okay, then return to reviling and hatred, even of your friends? Though James says, God is asking, are you deceiving yourself? Is your religion vain? Are you self-deceived? The deceived man is one who hears only and does not do what the word says to do. Every word you hear, the follow-up question, what must I do, must follow it. Even if the answer is so blessed as this, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You are to do that. You are to do that, each of you, if you have not yet. You are to meditate on every word you hear in daily readings, in the services, and don't stop with the preacher's applications either. Think on the word that you hear and bring out applications for your own life too. Meditate on the word day and night and draw out how the word is speaking to you particularly. And if you do, your life will be transformed by Jesus. Receive it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh. Also in you that belief. It works a work in you. 
when you receive it by faith. Let's conclude with that then. Shining the word. As the seed of the word roots into us and is watered by the spirit, it works. The seed of the word takes root in our heart and sanctifies us. Uh, Boys and girls, you may um, have seen sidewalks, perhaps, uh, next to a big, maybe like an oak tree. And you notice that as over time the roots come into the sidewalk, it busts the sidewalk apart, right? It happens sometimes slowly and over years and years. But this is what the word of God does in our hearts, It crushes the remnants of our stony hearts over time as it takes root in us. As the seed of the word is nurtured, it destroys sinfulness in us. And by faith, to behold the glory of the Lord found in the word is to be transformed by the word. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Second Corinthians 3.18. Where do you find the glory of the Lord but in the word of God? And that's what will do the transformation by faith. We shine and radiate the glory and light of the Lord Jesus Christ as it has its work in us. His perfection, His righteousness, His love starts to permeate our lives. And so having worked this text from its center, take heed therefore how you hear. You can return to the beginning in verse 16 to see what the hearing of the word produces. No man when he hath lighted a candle covereth, with, uh, covereth it with a vessel or putteth it under a bed but setteth it on a candlestick, that they which enter in may see the light. That's the transforming effect the Word of God has in your life, friends. But when the Word of God shines forth and radiates out of the one who hears it in faith, it cannot be hidden in us. Others see the light of the Word, the light of Christ. Jesus said he is the light of the Word, John 8, 12. But when his Word has its effect in us, he says of us, Matthew 5, 14, ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill, right, on a high place, cannot be hid. The light of Jesus Christ is meant to shine forth from his people by his spirit. The light radiates, it has to, from those who receive the word of God with meekness. They do the word, they hear the word, not, ju- not just hear the word, they do the word, and the light of Christ shines upon them. You know, uh, this is an anecdote, but I suspect you probably have run into the same situation. And I pray that this never describes you. Uh, I once worked with a man who was quite, quite difficult. Everyone in the workplace despised him. He told lies, threw people under the bus. He lied to our publisher at the time. He was a peer of mine. He was a fellow lead on a project. When this man's name was mentioned outside, sometimes even in the same room, people would roll their eyes. There is so-and-so. I worked with him about a year or so. Um, when I once walked into his office and we spoke about something or another I don't remember. And he asked, this is where I remember our interaction, he asked, would you be in the office on, on Sunday? I said, no, I'll, I'll be at church and it's the Lord's Day, so I'll be spending time with the Lord. And he then said something that floored me. He said, yeah, uh, I go to church too. I was staggered. Um, I would have never known that the man claimed to be a Christian. No light ever emanated from him. And I don't think that's being uncharitable. If you had ever asked any of the believers in the workplace if this man was a Christian, and we came from a lot of different traditions, you know, whether it's Methodist or Baptist or Presbyterian, they would have all said, what? This man is a Christian? No. 
So, would anyone be shocked to know that you are here today at church? Would they look at your life and say there is no light There is no savor of Christ. There is no aroma of Jesus. Whether it repels me, right, as an unbeliever, some unbelievers are repulsed by Christ, or it draws me closer as a believer. Does the light of his word radiate from you? Are you demonstrating, for instance, right, these are some of the ways that the light of the word radiates. Do you demonstrate your trust in the Lord in hard providences? Or do you freak out and do you become like the unbeliever and start to take matters in your own hand and start to become cruel and evil to others? Are you showing the world that you trust not in your own righteousness, but in Christ's righteousness? You say, I am a wretch outside of Christ. Are you loving your neighbor as yourself? Does the light of Christ shine in any way upon you and through you? What of verse 17 then, if that is how the light is to emanate from us? For nothing is secret that shall not be made manifest, neither anything hid that shall not be known and come abroad. Christ is telling his disciples that what they have heard in secret from him, they must declare. Matthew 10, 27, what I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light, and what ye hear in the ear, that preach ye upon the housetops. Part of our shining of the light of Christ in this world is not just our character showing forth in Christ, but also our speech showing forth Christ and his word, his gospel especially. Whatever we read and hear in our assemblies or even our private readings with the Lord, we are not to hide from the world. We are not a secret society, friends. We are an evangelistic society that goes out and declares to the world This is one way that the world knows that we have been discipled by Jesus. You remember in Acts 4.13, it was said of Peter and John that when they preached others, others marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. Because they knew the word of God. These unlearned men were made wiser than their foes out of the word of God, as Psalm 119 tells us. But who will give you a hearing about the word if the word hasn't affected you. We'll hear the gospel from a man or a woman who's a fiend. No one. Someone who doesn't shine the light. You need to resolve to put away hypocrisy. Do the word. Have its effect on you. And uh, declare it. Lastly, exercise the word in your life or you will lose the light you seem to have. Returning to verse 18. Take heed therefore how ye hear. For whosoever hath, to him shall be given. And whosoever hath not, from him shall be taken even that which he seemeth to have. I might return to this next time, because we don't have much time to deal with this. But here it is. If you are not hearing the word and doing it, even what you seem, do you see that language? What you seem to have will be taken away from you. You might be filled with all kinds of knowledge of the word of God today, and all kinds of truths out of the word of God, but it can be a knowledge that puffeth up, right? Even what you seem to have, right? You don't actually have it. You don't actually possess that truth. Otherwise, it would be done. What you seem to have will be taken from you by the Lord. You are to, in other words, be faithful to the light that you have been given. Perhaps one of the most dangerous prayers that we often pray is, Lord, give light. Because he will judge you based on the light that you have been given. But those who are holding fast to the faithful word and are rooted in Jesus, are given more 
are given more light as they pray, Lord, give light. And as they exercise the light they have by believing it, trusting it, and doing it, more light is given to them, and they progress in the Christian life, being changed, as we heard, from glory to glory into the image of their beloved Savior. And uh, I'll just say, uh, even on these last couple of years, what a wonderful thing it is to see the grace of God at work in a soul. As you see God's word take root in a soul and you see the transformed life and the nearness to the Savior and the love for God and the putting away of sin and putting on the new man as we read today in the scripture reading. Some of you have come a very long way just from being faithful to what little of the word you have heard. Keep at it by God's grace and he will give you more and more light and you will walk in that light and you will become more fruitful in your life and to others. Well, as we close then, let us remember that we were born again by the word of God, weren't we? By faith in Jesus, it's a living word. And if you believe in Jesus by the word, the work that he has begun by his word, he will not cease. The good work he has begun in you, he will bring to completion until the day he calls you home. First Peter 1, being born again, not of corruptible seed. Here's that parable of the soils, isn't it? But of incorruptible by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Let us praise God that his word will endure forever, friends. Popes and communists will try to eradicate it. The devil might try to snatch it away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. Praise God for that. That is why men like Tyndale went to martyrdom, because they believed the promise. Come what may, my life may cease, but the word of God will endure forever. Praise the Lord. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you and for all generations henceforth until the Lord returns. To which we say, praise God. Amen. Please rise for prayer if able. O Lord our God, the word has gone forth, and uh, you say you will hold us to what we have heard. As you have given us light, Father, help us be faithful to that light. And if any here have heard the good word of the Lord, that faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, that whosoever believes on the Lord Jesus Christ shall never die, we pray that today would be the day of salvation for them that they would know the Lord and the word of God would cause them to be born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, that word which liveth and abideth forever. Oh, we praise you and thank you, Father, that the word of the Lord will endure forever. When we are long and gone, until the day the Lord Jesus returns, the word will continue to be preached as it has been since the beginning of time. We thank you, Father, that the gospel, the good news is found in the word. Help us to not just be a hearer of the word, but a doer as well. Put away, Father, in us self-deception. Help us to keep the word. Help us to radiate the light of the gospel to the world that all men would come to Jesus Christ, not for our glory, but for his, Father, we pray this. In Jesus' name, amen.